when I was an analyst, I would always say, you are not doing ERP. That's not the goal. The goal is for your business to be able to grow, to be able to achieve the strategic vision that your company has. ERP is the vehicle on that journey. It's not the destination. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name's Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Oikyu. Hello, everyone. My name is Oikyu Gar. I'm a blogger, marketer, and podcaster in the area of ERP and supply chain at SAP. And today we are going to be discussing recent Harvard Business Review white paper titled Driving Professional Services Growth with Cloud ERP. And to do so, we are joined by a repeat guest to our podcast, Paul Saunders. Welcome back, Paul. Could you please introduce yourself? Good to see you guys again. I'm Paul Saunders. I am the head of product strategy for Cloud ERP and also chief evangelist. So person who doesn't shut up talking about ERP, basically. And you're more of a repeat offender than a repeat guest, I think, Paul. That's, that's right. Yes. Yes. I had time off for good behavior. Yes. <laughs> so this white paper came out about in the May timeframe. Could you give a little yeah. background about the white paper? What was the basis of the research? Who should be reading it? Everybody should be reading it, Richard, obviously. Read it to your kids in the evening. Now, I think anybody, particularly in the professional services area, that is looking to grow, optimize, transform their business, and trying to understand where does cloud ERP fit into all of this. So how did this come about? We've done quite a bit of research with the Harvard Business Review team in the past. And it's really good to work with them because they go off and they do lots of interviews with different people and they bring all of this research together. And it's not something where they kind of say, right then, SAP, what do you want us to say? They say, no, this is what we've found out. Let's have this discussion. And I love it that way because then it, it becomes a much more open, honest, and frank conversation. So the purpose of it is to say, if you're a professional services company, the thing that I love about cloud in general, I'm not just talking about ERP, but cloud in general, is that it's meant that companies of all shapes and sizes can now compete with each other. They can compete at scale. And you know, for a lot of the professional services companies, we always think of the big four consulting companies with hundreds of thousands of employees. But there are a lot of niche providers out there. There's a lot of you know, companies that are maybe 20, 30 people, maybe even smaller than that. And in the past, you couldn't work with a company like SAP unless you were very successful. You had the resources and the time and the capability to do that. With cloud ERP, anybody can take the power of our 50 years of experience and leverage it to grow their business. So what were their findings? You said they report their findings. We don't put words in their mouths. So what was the main yep. message of the research? Why it's the right time for cloud ERP in the professional service industry? Well, I think it's the right time because, and you know, I hate to sound like a marketing cliche, but I'm going to sound like a marketing cliche. The world will never be this slow again. As technologists, we've talked for the longest time to say that the world is constantly changing and there's disruption and there's all this sort of stuff. But then in the last few years of business and society, we've seen this absolutely happen. You know, from pandemic to global conflict to inflation across the world to staff shortages, the great resignation, all of this kind of stuff. So in this crazy world that we live in that I don't think is going to get any 
karma, to be honest, it's going to keep going at that kind of pace. How does a professional services company find out where they fit in, how they're going to compete, what it is the value that they can do? And there's a couple of interviews in there where they're talking about how do I manage what projects I should bid on? How do I make sure that the projects that I have bid on, I've got the right resources for? How do I make sure that I'm bringing enough money to cover the cost of those resources? And how do I bring those all together? So the first big finding, and I think this really does apply to ERP in general, is everything comes back to finances. People have said, do we still need ERP? As long as governments require us to pay tax, yes, we do. The day that governments say, don't worry about it, do whatever you like, then probably we don't need it. They wouldn't do everything on the back of a cigarette packet or something. But it's all about the finance. Whatever I'm doing in business, I still have to work out how I'm going to make some money, how I'm going to grow my business, how I'm going to optimize and so on. I remember many years ago, I was a, an executive training. This was when I was identified as a young executive. And Oiku was looking at me like, that was a long time ago. But, you know, in this finance class, I remember this lecturer starting on one side of the auditorium and he explained how a business worked. From the moment that you take an order, professional services company, you bid on something, you win that, you've got to find the right resources. And every time he went to the next step to, in the process, he took a step to his left until finally he was all the way on stage left of the auditorium. And he said, and now you get paid and you've got to make it from the far side over there all the way over here to be able to stay into business. And it's interesting that when we have credit crunches and financial crises, like we had in 2008 and so on, it seems that people forgot this, but from this paper, what you can see is that it's the finance capabilities that having that standardized platform that, you know, you've got absolute confidence that these processes are running as effectively and as efficiently as possible. Then as a services company, I can say, right, then what is it that I can do to differentiate on that? So it's not just the kind of the standard things like, you know, how do I manage AR and AP and how do I do intercompany reconciliation? Those things are really good. They're important. You have to do them. You have to do them that well. And this is where we're starting to build AI into these capabilities to be able to automate and discover and bring value from those. But this is a platform that you can build upon. And one last thing I think is, and this again is under the marketing cliche a little bit, it's this flexibility and agility that as the business changes, as the market changes, how can I then pivot my organization to be able to take advantage of those kind of things? You can't do that if you're running old-fashioned, complex, on-premise solutions. You can't do that if you're running very fragile, brittle, best-of-breed solutions. So those, to me, are kind of the big messages that come out of this period. Paul, I think you have already started to answer my next question, but can we please talk about some of the challenges of traditional ERP systems? Like, why are professional service companies looking to move to the cloud and what benefits do they see after the transition? It's a great question, Oiko. I would argue that nobody's really looking to move to the cloud. Moving to the cloud enables a company to achieve an outcome. And in 2023, yeah, we're still 2023, this idea of, well, should we move to the cloud? I think that's a question that has passed its sell-by date. Of course you should move to the cloud. It's 2023. This is how the world works now. As I mentioned before, I think cloud is this great level of competition. If you think about what is a professional service company, what I would need to be able to do 
to run a geographically dispersed business if I was doing everything on-premise and I had to have my own data centers and I had to connect all those data centers and I had to have technology people to run those data centers and the databases and the network and all of these kind of things. So the big piece to start off with is clouds are given. We've gone past, I would say, this cloud era and now we're certainly in the AI era. ERP has been around since, well, SAP has been around for over 50 years. The term ERP has been around since, the, since 1990 when Gartner came up with it. And even though it's often thought of as something that manufacturing companies use, a big portion of our business comes from services companies, professional services companies and so on. And the thing that's really nice about those companies is they've actually been faster to leverage cloud capabilities than many of the manufacturing companies have. So realistically, the professional service companies have often been the trailblazers in this area. One of the downsides, I think, in the past is what we did. And when I say we, I mean people like me, when I was a CIO, we used the ERP as this compliance sledgehammer to beat people into submission. And we said, look, everybody does things in different ways, so we're going to put in a new ERP system and we're going to force you to do things in a standard way. It was a terrible idea. Sadly, people still do it. And now one of the things is people say, I want to put in a cloud solution because you can't customize the cloud. Of course you can customize the cloud. You know, we give you low code and no code tools to help you customize the cloud if you want to. The thing is, should you customize the cloud? And there are, you know, most of the processes that a company does are non-differentiating to their customers and you shouldn't have to do this. But historically, we massively over-customized. Then politics got involved. So, you know, the HR department would say, well, actually, I don't like what the IT department's given me or what the finance department wants. I want my own solution. And then sales said, we want our own solution and so on. And everybody went and got these best of breed things. And then the poor IT team were the ones who were supposed to stitch it together and magically make it all work. And that's why, you know, when you're looking to say, right now, I want to have AI be able to pull out all this information from across my system. You can't do that with a best of breed nightmare. You can't do that if all your stuff's sitting on, on, on premises. So for professional services, the thing that I find interesting largely about professional services in this particular area is, and I suppose it's the same for many companies, we're often much better at saying, do as I say, rather than do as I do. And we've got professional services companies across the world who say, right, then this is how you should do stuff. And you say, do you do it that way? And I go, not really. But I think with cloud now, what I'd love to see is a lot of the companies that are leveraging S4 HANA cloud are eating their own dog food, drinking their own champagne, whatever the phrases you want to use, but they're learning themselves first. So when they go out to their customers, they have that kind of, what's the phrase I'm looking for? That proof of a purchase sort of thing to say, look, believe us, we've done this. We run our own business this way. And I think that's one of the critical things for services companies to be able to do these. There's obviously the standard benefits that you get with cloud. As I mentioned, you don't have to have valuable resources and scarce resources doing really transactional capabilities, non-value added capabilities and so on. And I think as those companies are looking to be more flexible and agile and compete at a faster pace, this is where ERP in the cloud isn't just a nice to have, it's absolutely essential. When I read through the paper, it highlighted five clear areas of focus 
for professional yep. service companies and how cloud ERP systems can help them. And I wrote them down. So they were supporting growth, enabling automation and process improvements, provide real-time yep. information, support new business models, and while doing all of these things, ensure sustainability and compliance at all times. So I think it would be great if we could discuss those five things in a little bit more detail. So the first one was supporting growth and supporting profitable growth. And to quote the report, to grow profitably, professional service firms must quickly and efficiently track, manage, and measure client engagement throughout their life cycle. So what specifics are important here when we're talking about in ensuring and enabling profitable growth? Yeah, these five areas, sometimes they're so obvious that we miss them. Why are we doing this? Why should I move to the cloud? Why should I take AI and so on? The answer is, well, you shouldn't. You should grow your business. You should optimize your business. You should transform your business. And you're going to do that through AI. You're going to do that through cloud. You're going to do that through standardization. And I think when you look at growth, it's all about the scalability. How do I take what I'm doing, be able to do it at scale, but still maintain what is differentiating to my customers that I've been able to provide. Historically, we would often find that as companies grew past a certain level, whether that was you know 20 million in revenue, 200 million in revenue, or whatever it might be, as they started to scale, they started to add those kind of diseconomies of scale and became more and more rigid, more and more process-centric, you know, and, and lost what made them great in the first place. I think with what was highlighted in this paper, you know, is that things like the enabling automation and process improvements, the things like providing the real-time information, these are all the things that, that ERP has been promising and has been delivering for a long time. These are the kind of the foundational elements that then enable the services business to build their differentiation on top. So um, if you think about, we started off the conversation with some of the challenges ongoing today with things like talent scarcity. So there are just not enough people available to do all the jobs that are needed to be done. And we're starting to change things and there's some data around, and I, I'm gonna misquote this, but you know, 85% of the jobs that will exist in the future don't actually exist today. Things are going to change. AI is going to change job, all of this and this kind of stuff. But think about what it's been like historically when you hire a new employee. Irrespective of industry, irrespective of geography, is always the learning curve. Employees take a long time to get up to speed. They get take a long time to deliver value. Now, in this world where you're going to have people, you know, have multiple careers multiple jobs during their lifetime. By the time they come to your business, by the time they've got up to speed, they're going to be getting up, you know, go, leaving your company and going somewhere else. We have to be able to bring in employees and have them effective, not 18 months after they start, not eight months after they start, but kind of eight days after they start. You know, how do I get the value as best as possible? With services companies, it's not always the talent that they're going to have internally. They're going to also be looking at contingent labor. They're going to be looking at niche consultants that they need to bring all of these capabilities to bear. And so as all of these challenges come together, you can't be thinking about, well, how do I run my ERP system? How do I make sure that my treasury function is going well? These are the things I have to do it. I have to do it well. 
but that's not what's going to make my business survive and grow in the future. So growth, that growth mindset, you can't do that without standardizing. And it sounds really weird. It's like standardize to differentiate, but it is absolutely true. And it's more standardized to enable yourself the time to differentiate. Exactly. So enable yourself the time and I guess the capacity to be able to differentiate. Because with all of this, Richard, I would say that you still have to have that mindset up front. If you can give somebody all the time in the world, if they don't want to do anything differently, they're not going to do anything differently. Technology is just technology. And that's why I think grow with SAP, rise with SAP are so valuable in the market today because it's not just about technology. It's about the people elements. It's about the process elements. It's about the culture elements. It's about the data, the integration, all of the things that need to be there for a company to be successful going forward. One of these five areas in the research paper was enabling automation and process improvements. Yep. Knowing when a client engagement is going off track can be especially hard in provisional services. So automation and process improvement was seen as high priority. Can we elaborate on this? Yeah. So as I mentioned, this idea of standardizing to differentiate sounds a little bit odd, but it is really essential in business today. For professional services companies, I'd like to see whether we can maybe take a, a more positive spin of it. Instead of saying, look, when my project is going off track, but to say, look, maybe my project is going really, really well, and I'm going to have resources available that I could use somewhere else. So maybe it's a variance thing more rather than a reactive thing to something that's going badly. But what services companies do need to be able to do, like any companies, is balance the inputs and the outputs. This is what I need to be able to deliver. What are the resources I need to be able to do? What's that going to cost me? What's my margins looking like? How do I need to make sure that all these things are working? And to be able to do that in this crazy world that we talked about where the proverbial will hit the fan. At some point, things will change. Things will kind of go off piste or whatever, you know, mixed metaphor you want to use. So I think with the automation and the process improvement, once you have a cloud SaaS, public cloud environment, then you get the kind of the best practices out of the box. I'm just fill in all of the marketing cliches today, but it's true. You get them out of the box. If you can standardize and automate your business, the thing that's great about S4 HANA in particular, but particularly with kind of the machine learning elements built into it, it starts to identify, this is how you do things. And as you do stuff, it can say, well, this is a good way of doing it. I'm going to automate it. It's also going to be able to say, right, then I'm not just automating and making a bad process faster but I'm going to be able to improve that process. Hey, you do this right now. You could do this, this, and this. And I think about it a bit like, you know, if you get in a car with a GPS or a sat nav, depending on which side of the Atlantic you sit on, it will start to say to you, hey, if you go this route, you might be able to save this much fuel, or you might be able to save this much time. If you go this route, it might be a little bit more scenic. If you go this route, it might be faster. It will start to give you options. With cloud ERP, the thing with artificial intelligence today is it's not about taking over and running your business for you. It's about providing this automation, this process improvement, this intelligence to help you make confident decisions. 
so that if you say, right, then I want to go this way and I want to, you know, rather than this way, you have absolute faith that the data that it's pulling in to be able to do that is as we start to look at this, so having this standardized way of working, you would never get all of the data you need to run your business in a single system, nor should you. I mean, it's been the kind of the holy grail of ERP, I think, since it's began that there's going to be a single source of the truth. Well, the single source of the truth today changes every second, because if I'm going to be getting data from IoT sensors, if I'm getting data from third-party web services, if I'm getting data from consumer information and buying trends and weather patterns and all of this kind of stuff, my single source of the truth is it's a moment in time. And I think this is where the automation and the process improvement is. That frees you up, Richard, to your point, to be able to do the differentiating things going forward. The need for real-time information was next on the list. And I think that real-time information is the foundation for all of the other initiatives, whether it's growing profitably, enabling automation and improving business processes, driving new business models, or complying to sustainability mandates. So what are some examples of the value of real-time information that were spotlighted in the paper? Yeah, I loved the conversation about real-time information because it's not just real-time information. And I think a lot of this came up in the paper. It's the ability to make solid, confident business decisions based on that real-time information. So that as my business is changing and I'm reacting to it, am I making a decision based on what's actually happening or am I making a decision on something that it's a little bit out of date? So the faster that I can make that decision. And so what we were talking about earlier, Richard, it's you still have to have that culture. If your business doesn't have a culture of making decisions in even close to real time, then having real time data is not going to change your culture. You're still going to have that ability to say, right, then I've got the data. I've got the system has recommended to me option A, B, and C. I'm going to go with option C. And I'm confident in that because the data is coming from an SAP system that I've got absolute confidence that this is going to work in. But I think really it's the ability as you get that real-time information to be able to say, look, this is what we're doing and why. As I can reassign different resources to different projects, I can understand that maybe a project, Oiku, to your point earlier, is starting to go off schedule, is starting to go off track. And... I can see these elements before it's got to the point of being so bad. I can start to take some course corrective actions to be able to say, look, before everything falls apart, let's kind of gently steer things back on. I think some of the things that came up in the paper was that also, you know, as management has all of this data that comes in, they need to be able to see from a high level, what are the projects that we're working on? What's going well? Where are my resources? Any professional services company needs to have their resources fully allocated, earning money at all times. They need to be able to make sure that the customers are happy with what they're getting. If the customer project starts to go askew and you have to throw more resources at it, then your margins start to get eroded pretty quickly. And so I think having that real-time data and it's not a report. This is the thing that I think has been so valuable with HANA since the day it was created. It's the data 
that you are actually using to run your business that you're analyzing, not what happened, but what is happening. And then I think the most interesting piece and where AI starts to come in is what would happen if, or what's the most likely outcome of these things. So I would say, Richard, it's not just real-time information. It's also real-time prediction and confident prediction based on that that is really key. Like every other company on the planet, professional service companies must also evolve and change with the times. So, Paul, what are some of the examples of new business models we see emerging in this space? On other planets, maybe they can do different things, but on this planet, I started off by talking about the fact that cloud is the great level of competition. What it does then, you know, if you think about how companies are having to change, is that the larger professional services companies are really having to up their game to compete with these smaller companies, these niche providers, these geographic experts. And so the large professional services companies can't just say, hey, we've got all the business, we're going to stay as we are. So they're having to change. The smaller companies are having to say, look, we can't compete based on scale, maybe of resources. We can you know, compete as a business globally, but we might not be able to deploy a thousand different professional people onto this. But by pulling in all of these different areas of information, maybe I don't need to use the same number of resources. So you're starting to see, I think, a lot of these business models certainly become both more specific, more niche, but at the same time, more global. And this, I think, is really interesting because it always used to be, well, I can do one or the other. And it used to be, do I want to do this or this? And now I think some of these business models are, I'm going to do this and this. The other thing that's happening in the professional services area is the non-traditional professional services companies starting to come in. So companies that maybe in the past were manufacturing companies or finance companies or insurance companies or whatever, where you're getting hyperscalers, for example, services businesses. So not only can I, you know, go with a hyperscaler for my technology, but they're going to help me with digital transformation. They're going to help me with data governance. They're going to help me with AI. It used to be in the past that all of these industry boundaries were very clear. You had software companies, you had services companies, you had insurance companies, you had finance companies and so on. Now it's kind of like a free-for-all. Everything's gone up in the air. And the companies that are doing the best out of this are the ones who are saying, yeah, I'm changing how I'm working and I'm going to be able to really respond to this. Another common topic across all industries is the drive to be sustainable and comply to industry and regulatory rules and regulations. What's the value of cloud ERP when it comes to sustainability and compliance? Yeah, so I think businesses across the world are having to reduce their environmental impact, whether that's been driven by government regulations, by market demands, or by just actually trying to do the right thing. You know, if you look at what's going on in the world today, the horror stories of fires and floods and all of this kind of stuff, as everybody says, there is no planet B. So... I feel that SAP, we've been leading in this area for a long time. So with Grow with SAP, for example, companies don't have to worry about how do I deal with sustainability? How do I deal with compliance? 
it's another data element that I can track, that I can be able to say, to the point before about these changing business models, this can become a differentiating thing. It was often thought of that sustainability was a cost of doing business, but now it can actually be, you know, something that's going to drive more business to you. If I can say, look, this is, I've selected this company because they have a leading sustainable impact. I think those will be really, really good. So with things like, as I said, with Grow with SEP, as compliance regulations change, because it's a cloud solution, it's changing in the background. You don't have to worry about what are the things that I have to keep up with. As I'm providing a service, you know, maybe I'm saying right then, I'm putting my proposal forward and I'm going to say, look, it's going to be these resources. And not only is it going to be these resources, but this is going to be the carbon impact of this program. I can optimize and say, I'm not going to fly in as many people from different locations. I'm going to do these things remotely. I'm not going to have to do so much travel. I'm not going to have to have such an impact from a compliance and sustainability perspective. You can only get that with this real-time insight, with these cloud solutions, with things like Grow with SAP. You can't do that with an old on-premise solution. Thank you. So we know what the priorities are. Moving from legacy ERP system to cloud ERP can be anything but seamless. The report highlighted some of the common pitfalls and how to avoid them. Can we please talk about this a little bit? Yeah, so the common pitfalls, I think the first one is short-term focusing on cost. And this this has been something, to be honest, that's been going on for a long time and, and not just within services industries, but it certainly came out very clearly in the paper. It's like, do I want to spend the money and move to the cloud? And you can't, you've got to think about value and what this is going to mean for your long-term growth, your optimization, your sustainability, your competitiveness, and so on. So thinking short-term is one of the things that was brought up in the paper as a big problem. Over-customizing. Again, every industry has done this historically. Everybody says, we are the most complicated industry. Nobody is as complicated as us. We have to do this in a very bespoke kind of way. And the answer is, no, you do not. That is not what you need to do at all. You need to identify your differentiation to your customers, not make things ridiculously complicated just because you've done it that way in the past. The next thing I would say is trying to do everything all at once and doing it way too fast. It's a bit like if you're going to train for running a marathon, you don't start off with, right, and let me do my first run will be 26.2 miles. And I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to go out and buy all the clothes and just go for it. You're going to say, right, and what is it I need to do? I've got to start eating better. I've got to get the habits in place. I've got to make sure that I've got the right equipment. I've got to make sure that I build up these capabilities over time. So it's about chunking up. I don't, I'm not sure if there probably is a much better professional term than chunking up, but it's about chunking up the program into bite-sized manageable pieces, each one that will deliver some value. It's about bringing people on board with this. And that comes to the last point, which is this failure to communicate. When I was an analyst, I would always say, you are not, quote, doing ERP. That's not the goal. The goal is for your business to be able to grow, to be able to achieve the strategic vision that your company has. ERP is the vehicle on that journey. It's not the destination. So deploying software, buying a cloud service, is not what it's about. That's where we can help you. That's what SAP does, and we've been doing it. We've been the best at this for 50 years. 
but not communicating internally and effectively and consistently, I think is the last piece that is highlighted in the paper as one of the guaranteed ways of kind of tripping up and falling down a very large hole. Paul, you know the drill for the last question. If you had to summarize it in a sentence or two, what's the future of ERP for professional service companies? The future of ERP for professional services companies is the future of work. It is the future of business. It is the future of society. The reason that companies feel that their ERP solution is out of date, their business processes are out of date, things are old fashioned, is because that people, process, technology, culture, society, and so on, all move at different rates. And when those things become misaligned, it's like trying to have an engine with cogs. It's not connecting, it's misfiring, it's whatever it might be. You have to be able to think to start up with as a professional services company, it's the same questions as always. Why am I in business? What is it that I do? Yes, I'm a professional services company, but go down a few levels. You know, it's the Simon Sinek start with why sort of thing. The next part is, okay, well, if this is how I'm going to compete, what does a day in the life of a customer look like five years from now? What does it look like to work for my company? How am I going to make sure that not only am I competitive today, but tomorrow, next year, and so on? How am I going to be able to respond? That's why you have to be able to standardize on the non-differentiating things to be able to respond on this. You have to be able to think about... How is society changing? You know, some of these big ideas, these big things like the splinternet or the balkanization of the internet, where the world is kind of breaking apart into different areas. And how do I deal with that? You're having to think about technology changes. I mean, everybody's so excited right now about generative AI because yes, it's cool, but it's not cool for the sake of generative AI. What can it do for your business? So the future of ERP for professional services I would say is a really exciting one. The future of professional services is an exciting one, but it's only as exciting as you're going to make it. And I think this is where I, the, I think the paper has this written all the way throughout it. You can't just will these things to happen. It's really the services company, it's SAP, it's our partners, it's your customers, everybody coming together into this ecosystem that will make things different. And with that, I would say that the future of ERP in general is really exciting. And I'm not just saying that because this is my career choice. It really is. This is kind of fun stuff and really fun times. Paul, as ever, thanks for a great conversation. Thank you both. It was really good to catch up with you again. And thank you all for listening. If you're interested in learning more for, about the Harvard Business Review paper, we will include a link in the show notes. Please mark us as a favourite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Paul, Oikyu and I, thanks for discussing the future of ERP.